Hello and welcome to the long-awaited Fashion North podcast. We're your hosts, Friday Gamble Gittings, I'm Charmaine Shaharin, and I'm Sophie Middleton. Today we're discussing the never-ending issue of cultural appropriation in fashion. How is it relevant now, along with the fashion industry's failure to be more inclusive to its plus-size models, and fashion brands never acknowledging individuals with disabilities, and how they're only seen as a setback, but never a potential. So let's begin with cultural appropriation in fashion. So one of the reasons why fashion is beautiful is because it originates from all sorts of cultures. And fashion being stemmed from culture has been happening for a long time, ever since the early days of trade that opened the door to global exploration, allowing us to make new business connections, bring and sell exotic textiles, and even witness special novelties that inspired new designs. As beautiful as all that sounds, this has also inspired the birth of cultural appropriation, and it has become a hot-button issue for fashion. In fact, a recent cultural appropriation controversy that's happening right now as we speak is in Qatar, with many football fans abusing the Qatari headdress, the Gutra, making it into a multicolored fashion accessory. It's crazy when we think of it. But if we're talking about the runway, cultural appropriation happens endlessly. Like in 2020, when, when Combs de Garcon sent out white models onto the runway with braided cornrows, cornrow wigs while Gucci made the sick turban yet another cultural headwear into an accessory. So what are your thoughts about cultural appropriation, guys? Faraday, what do you think? Um, I mean... Personally, as a white woman, I'm not too sure if I'm the best voice on it, but I do obviously have opinions. Um, I think it's... I, I like the that it stems from appreciating other people's cultures. That It just it does just go a step too far to where you're, you're stealing um, traditional parts of their heritage. You're stealing um, possibly something very um, significant to them, something of um, high importance of value, and you're not crediting it, you don't understand the stories behind it, you're not really taking into account the, um, a lot of the time, some of the, the sadness and heartache and, and the tragedies that have gone into these sorts of cultural wear, this uh, like ceremonial dress, things like that. What about you, Sophie? I just I agree with a lot of what you were saying, but I think it's also like a lot of people don't respect other people's cultures. So like a lot of white people will get dreadlocks, but not respect the culture that they stemmed from and not understand why that can be an issue. They just don't separate, like they s- separate the aspect of the culture that they're stealing from the actual culture and see it more as just an accessory when it's actually something big in someone's culture. Yeah, yeah, they're not taking into account what the story behind it. Like, it's it's literally just an accessory to them. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I do agree with the both of you. And the biggest cultural appropriation issue to ever spark and could still potentially go down as history would always be the Dolce & Gabbana's ad launched in 2018. I don't know if you guys heard of it, but the story behind it is that Dolce & Gabbana were in the midst to launch like three short videos on Chinese social media network Weibo to promote their upcoming Shanghai runway extravaganza called The Great Show. So the ad was explicitly racist as it made fun of Asian culture by pronouncing the word chopsticks wrong that mocks Chinese speech and to even have a male mansplaining on how to properly eat Chinese dishes as well. But the drama did not end there because 
it was apparently Stefano Gabbana was called out to be racist to Chinese people too after a leaked leak chat where he called China like a literal shit country. This in turn made the whole nation of China against like against Dolce Gabbana and the ad was taken down within 24 hours and the show was also cancelled. Like, do you guys remember this incident? Like, how did it make you feel, Faraday? Yeah, I remember seeing all about it. I don't, I didn't see the ad at all, um, but I remember a lot of um, conversation and talk around it. And it, it like it, you say, it was a few years ago. So I admit that I possibly wasn't as clued up on issues as I should have been. But I remember hearing about it, and I was just appalled. I can imagine anyone taking taking the the mick essentially out of a country and a culture to that extent and to do it so publicly and as such a large brand um and Dolce Gabbana they've said problematic things before I don't know why they weren't more careful with what they were putting out there and why they don't have some sort of team employed to uh, like check every single thing they say and every single thing they do because they've they've caused problems before they've been um caused scandal before with comments they've made but to to appropriate a culture like that and to be so offensive about it and what is quite a large market for Dolce & Gabbana as well I'm sure they have a lot of customers there these are customers these are people that buy from them and to then just go and obliterate their culture essentially in a, in an ad um and in something that's so like clearly a money money grab and like a completely commercial enterprise it's just it's awful horrid it's it's really hard indeed. What about you, Sophie? Do you have any views on it? Personally, I just think Dolce and Gabbana do anything they can to upset people and get people talking about them. But it's also the fact that on social media, you'll see people agreeing with them and then a lot more people being really angry with them. Because a lot like, unfortunately, there's a lot of racist people in this world, which is really sad. But these people will agree with them and like this will make them laugh but really it's just it's disgusting i don't understand why anyone would make fun of anyone's culture anyone's race i just think it's vile to be honest yeah i think that's true i think that's what happens when you have like the upper hand in the fashion industry as well but since we're in the topic of cultural appropriation especially on asian culture too there's also the case of how like the chinese changsum is like overly sexualized and appropriated by fashion houses and movies too and it's like as if ethics don't apply when it comes to ripping off chinese culture or any other culture at all the thing is is that people need to understand that there's a fine line between culture appropriation and culture appreciation i do believe like with respect we are allowed to wear another culture's clothes and even celebrate their festivals but at the end of the day it's how it's done that matters so personally i think the fashion industry can do better to avoid cultural appropriation by just considering context when wanting to produce a new design for a garment and incorporating patterns what you know would the specific pattern or symbol mean something to a culture and i think like research is really really vital when it comes to things like this like do you have any suggestions on how to appreciate one's culture and not appropriate it what about you faraday yeah i think like you say research is really vital and i think if you're gonna appreciate and use someone's culture um in a in a capitalist society i think it has to be opportunity to inform as well because a lot of your customers might not be aware just as you aren't before you've made this made and produced this product they're not aware of the history behind it and so i think there's a really 
useful opportunity there to inform a wider world and to be sharing cultures as well like obviously the people who are buying those products that are, um, pay homage to other heritages and other ethnicities I think they're as much as they like it from an aesthetic standpoint they are possibly interested in the history of the side as well and so there's nothing bad is going to come from creating a product that pays homage to another person's culture and also creating that product in line with some sort of information with just putting a little I don't know like a tag on it or making the campaign something that does actually inform and educate the wider population what about you Sophie I think that research is definitely something that really important with this because a lot of people aren't educated on other people's cultures which is fine because there's a lot of cultures in this world but education is very important and I think there's definitely a fine line between appreciating and appropriating but also I think it's disgusting that people can get away with cultural appropriation (laughs) cultural (laughs) appropriation and like Dolce and Gabbana haven't been cancelled because of it they're still going and I just think there should be more like punishment and cancellation put in place for people who do this stuff knowingly as well. Yeah, because it, it harms a whole community. It's not just against one person as well. Like if you appropriate culture, you are harming an entire community. And if you make explicitly racist comments and adverts, you're then also kind of normalizing it for people out there who would take it to a more extreme level. If you if an extreme racist say not that i am but hypothetically as if you're an extreme racist and you see that dolce and gabbana ad and you have that normalized and they don't face any repercussions from it you are then going to normalize that behavior in your head and you're going to incite some sort of similar behavior to someone and that is quite dangerous that's what leads to hate crimes and things and to more over and violent forms of discrimination yeah i do agree with the both of you i think like the fashion industry and also society itself has to be more active when it comes to realizing like what's cultural appreciation and appropriation it's fine to like other cultures i think it's just the human nature in us but then again it all goes back to context and like how you do it and how you're going to present it without making it offensive and it's just so funny how we live like we say like we live in such an advanced world right now because of technology and everything but yet we're so set back when it comes to values like this and this is not the only issue in fashion as well it's also when it comes to body inclusivity yeah so representation of different bodies and different sizes in the fashion industry has been um, a hotly debated topic since i think the beginning of the fashion industry especially female bodies female figures shapes etc have always been a trend they've always been kind of an accessory as opposed to people taking them for what they are which is we all have different bodies we're all beautiful regardless of what our bodies look like um but it's still very much kind of what's trendy what figures in style what um and and naming it as well i mean we've we've gone through periods like heroin chic which was basically just a glamorized version of malnourishment (laughs) But we're seeing a lot, well, hopefully seeing a lot more um, representation of plus size bodies with more plus size models, um, such as Ashley Graham. But she has spoken out about 
um, the poor treatment that her and others who are on a larger size who don't fit into the sample size that the fashion industry still seems to hold so dear. She's spoken out about how poorly they've been treated, um, that oftentimes they're used to fill a quota and there's like a tokenism so that d that brands will have a show with 16 models or whatever and 15 of those models will be perfect quote-unquote and um, they'll be sample sized they'll have these bodies that uh, everybody is almost looking up to which is a very odd um, matter in its sense in itself to to really pedestalize people's figures but they'll they'll have those 15 straight size um women and then one plus size model so that they can kind of turn around to any backlash and say look at us we've we've have included a plus size model we do cater to the plus size community whereas in reality that's not a true representation of society as a whole the in the UK the average size is a UK 12 which is not the same as the models on the runways or the models in magazines or in a lot of cases even the models in um, campaigns for stores and stores are selling to their customer they need to be aware of the size of their customer and the size of their customer is not all size four size six women in their 20s who are quote-unquote perfect plus size models have also opened up about the pressure to stay plus size um, that if they lose any sort of weight, if they gain any weight, if this weight is gained to, in a way that's unflattering, that kind of ruins that perfect hourglass figure, um, they get a lot of pressure and a lot of backlash from their modelling agencies and from brands. Um, and they also get a lot of backlash from the public if they're obviously plus size modelling goes with, even though it shouldn't, it goes with this this image of fatness and being unhealthy and having an unhealthy diet um, and there seems to be a lot of backlash for models who are on the larger size who come out and share maybe via a TikTok or an Instagram or just in an interview they share what they eat in a day um, and if that's healthy there's a lot of um, or quote-unquote healthy I shouldn't say because we can't really define what is and isn't healthy but if it's within this line of like the that girl aesthetic and it's all very clean and green and sort of aesthetic like that there's a lot of backlash in terms of people will turn around and say that they're lying or that clearly they're, they're not because they wouldn't look that way and if they turn around and they say that maybe they've had a hamburger or something or they lead a diet that's more similar to the average person they'll they'll get backlash for that as well and it seems they kind of can't win um what have you guys seen around the the conversation of size inclusivity and in fashion what have you seen sophie um, I've seen like a lot of stuff about Adele like when she lost weight a lot of people were saying how much better she looked but it's not that she looks better she just looks happier in herself but that doesn't mean losing weight makes someone look better and I think that this internalized fat phobia is a lot of the problem because people seem to think that fat isn't beautiful but it is yeah exactly what about you Charmaine I think it's like in this day and age that we live where we live in right now i think it's just really hard to prove yourself on what you like to eat and what you want to eat and how you want to look like i think like you know body inclusivity we say it's inclusive but it's not really at the end of the day especially when it comes to modeling as well like what sophie said about adele and how she lost weight and how like people are like praising her for it i mean like yeah she was like on the plus sides bit for a while but then again she might have wanted to lose weight because she just wanted to be healthier and that's just it and not 
you know, to be skinny or anything to prove a point. But then again, I think like we're so brainwashed on like to be like a smaller size and to actually embrace like you know being bigger. It's all right as well. And like you have like so many TikTok trends where you know they show you like their before and after pictures in a way. And instead of like people saying that oh it's really healthy, it's just them you know in the comments like glamorizing like oh how you would you know, how you would look better you know in a certain style because you're so skinny right now. But then at a, on the flip side, there there's also like a TikTok trend where there where two people of different sizes buy the same clothes, basically like compare, but to also to contrast how you know everybody looks good wearing the same thing, even if you're in a different size. So I think like that's you know a step to be much more inclusive and to show the public like yeah, you could be fat, you could be thin, and you could wear the same thing and you could still look good at the end of the day. Yeah, I also think that you raise a really good point there with those TikTok trends of, of like uh, the same dress on two different bodies, and I think it's interesting because I think that does also at times highlight how a lot of garments are produced for smaller figures, and that then they then don't work or they they have just issues when put on a larger body. Um, clothing you like wrap dresses and stuff like that they're fine on um a woman who's small breasted but a woman who's got bigger boobs might struggle with it being quote-unquote indecent but i think social media does play a huge part in how we view bodies and inclusivity um i've seen a recent tiktok trend i don't know if you guys have about um is it a fit or is she just skinny um, which kind of takes popular outfits, especially on celebrities and models like Gigi Hadid, Bella Hadid, etc. Um, and they kind of try and recreate these these outfits on more normal, should I say, bodies um, to work out whether the the whole trend is the fa- is their body or if it if it's the outfit that's stylish. Um, and this does raise a point about positive discrimination within the industry obviously straight size women um women who fit the beauty standard have had had their output they've been in the magazines they've been on the runway for however many years should we therefore kind of move in a way to positively discriminate against them in favor of plus size women or even mid-size women just women who look like the women you see walking down the street but some brands still aren't dressing larger or non-sample sizes you bring up adele's weight loss but Um, other stars such as rebel wilson have also undergone quite a huge weight transformation Um, and she's recently released a brand but she's faced some backlash over um this only going up to an xl as opposed to like an xxl and her just not supposedly catering to larger sizes considering she has previously been a woman of a larger size herself should previously like plus size models or stars who are plus size now should they be the spokespeople for this inclusivity like is it their job to represent larger women or do you think it's it's it should be up to the industry as a whole what would you say Charmaine I mean yes I do think you know celebrities should be the spokespeople for inclusivity so that it you know it celebrates and becomes a much more inclusive community for the plus size people especially online but i wouldn't agree that it's their main job you know to like show for you know to show off body inclusivity at the end of the day at the end of the day like all this just stems from confidence i think the real people that should 
played their part in representing larger women are like the fashion industry you know the fashion industry and you know have relevant like sample sizes for designers like designers should have that more plus size stylists too we don't have that I've never heard of a term of that and I think like you know with body inclusivity like being on the ranks right now we should have more stylists that actually represent like plus size models as well yeah I think that's a really good point actually the way um obviously a lot of makeup artists and stuff like that are now trained to work with um darker skin and darker hair I think it's really interesting that we don't have stylists who Ha- who whose niche essentially is working with women who are plus size or mid size because obviously clothes do fit differently there's there's different issues that come with it i mean there's chub rub for one like mm-hmm. um i think everybody needs to talk about that i think i think as a society we need to ha- sit down and have a conversation about chub rub especially in the summer and what are your thoughts sophie i think that to an extent yes because the whole situation with rebel wilson she was a bigger woman and she she'll know that not a lot of brands are inclusive and she'll know that struggle herself so why wouldn't you want to cater to people who are the size that you used to be it seems like a bit of internalized fat phobia to me which i know it's like a term that gets thrown about a lot but i think it is and also i think the main responsibilities on the fashion industry as a whole not a lot of shops do like plus size ranges and i think that's quite unfair to people who are plus size because it mustn't feel nice like not being able to find something in your size and a lot of the clothes that are catered towards bigger women and bigger men are often like not the same as what clothes for i don't know mainstream sizes yeah i know what you mean if you if you go into a store and you look at the difference between the clothes that are for kind of the the normal quote-unquote size range and then plus size collections and stuff it all seems to be kind of aimed at like an older audience as such which I think is very exclusionary and it's just it's not nice for people who are in a larger body to not see themselves represented in the industry these people aren't people who aren't interested in fashion they care about fashion just as much as anyone of any other size does and to not see those kinds of people in the magazines they're reading and the brands they want to buy from must be really disheartening um and even like for stars as well um designers still some designers not all still refuse to dress curvier stars for like red carpet events such as lana del rey and and bb rexer has even opened up about the struggle she's had to find people dress her um she is a us size 8 which i believe is a uk size 12 um and she's had struggles finding um brands to design for her for big kind of events where you would think that um, especially smaller brands um, or startup houses would be kind of lobbying for a chance to dress such a big star and to have their clothes on um, on her, but they just seem to they seem to have no care for it, and it and it raises the question of do they therefore associate a larger size, fatness, whatever, with something negative, and and is it not something they want associated with their brand? We've also got to discuss the issue of male plus size models because obviously we are talking majority about um women's bodies but men also do have that lack of representation in the fashion industry um i know a few years ago 
um, Rihanna's brand Fenty did a collection with plus size male models, but that's literally the only discourse I've seen around the subject. But there's also loads of different issues with representation within the fashion industry, such as like disabilities, isn't there, Sophie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Gillian Mercado, she's disabled, she's a wheelchair user, and she said she's created black disabled creatives, and around 15% of the world's population has a disability. But Gillian said that the community is unrepresented and invisible and the fact that disabled people are feeling this way just is quite toxic because like you wouldn't want anyone to feel that way and the fact that the fashion industry does make people feel that way is just quite cruel but then you have the rising population of like Ellie Goldstein she has Down syndrome and her her mum was told when she was born that she'd never live independently and now she's the face for Gucci beauty which I think is amazing and she doesn't let her pictures get airbrushed she wants to show her natural beauty which I honestly think is amazing I think airbrushing flaws quote-unquote contributes to the lack of representation it's like the forced idea that we have to look a certain way yeah definitely I think even just small things like if you if a star or a celebrity gets like a birthmark airbrushed out or something like vitiligo which is a skin condition I think that's really damaging for young girls to not see just things that they very natural things that they have with their body completely just unrepresented and it kind of just raises that question of why are we airbrushing it why do we believe that these things are flaws why do we have to why does everything have to be so perfect to the point where people don't even look real within the modeling industry they look um i think uh getting a sim to model the latest collections would feel a bit more down to earth than some of the models that you see airbrushed and then you also have the issues of these um this airbrushing this photoshopping when it goes wrong i think it creates a lot of controversy and a lot of talk around for for stars and i just think i don't think it benefits anybody it doesn't benefit the stars who maybe mess up with the airbrushing and give themselves a second elbow and it doesn't benefit the public either it just kind of adds to this this lack of inclusivity and this whole idea that we're all supposed to look a certain way and we're essentially supposed to be clones of each other who all have the same skin tone the same body size who aren't don't have a single imperfection on them and then that manifests in young boys and young girls who see this and who don't see a normal body represented and they internalize that and their body image can just plummet completely i think is a real problem in society especially with social media and with how young kids are when they join social media sites what about you shaman what are your thoughts well i think like airbrushing is a dreadful pressure that young people especially girls and women come under to conform to like unachievable body stereotypes or any other stereotypes at all the fashion industry end of the day needs more originality We say this all the time, but it always falls on deaf ears. I totally agree with all that you said as well. And I think like, you know, if airbrushing continues on, you know, not only will it have like a lack of representation for like for just the smallest things like birthmarks or or moles or stuff like that, but it will also cause like psychological problems to the future generation too, because it will make like, you know, future like the future generation think like, oh, like what I have naturally is not good and I have to be like a clone like how everyone else is and I think like that's not that's not a nice way to live at the end of the day yeah I also think that contributes I I don't know the statistics but 
that con- especially as like technology evolves and body modifications become a lot more kind of normalized in society like the amount of girls i know that have like lip fillers and stuff that's totally their choice i'm not having a go at them but i think the way we as a society view body modifications now if these kind of standards are seen everywhere in magazines and things like that it's going to become a lot more normal for people to go to the extreme with these modifications to go to the extreme with cosmetic procedures which are actually really quite dangerous no one talks about the the bad side effects that they can have just physically i mean if they're botched if they go wrong they can lead to infections they can also have huge psychological effects if you like we were talking about the other week with bella hadid you have a nose job at 14 or a young age which is what this airbrushing could push people to do you're then gonna end up it's quite a traumatic experience to go through and especially if it goes wrong that's even worse that's going to cause even more psychological problems no absolutely i agree with both of you there i feel like the disabled community is very underrepresented in the fashion industry but it is good like like Models such as Aaron Phillip, who was the first black transgender and disabled model to ever model for a major modeling agency, is amazing. Like I think that's brilliant. And the fact that she was the first model on a runway using a wheelchair for Moschino's Spring Summer 2022. Obviously, Melanie Gados with the rare genetic disorder. I think things like that are amazing. Like We should see that more often. However, if I went on clothing websites now, I can guarantee I would not find a single picture of someone disabled modelling, like, the clothing. Because I'm going to be honest, I've never really seen that. Like, when I go shopping online, I never see it. And it's just so normalised that we don't think, oh, wait, we're not seeing this here. It's just that the fashion industry hasn't included it enough that we think about it a lot. And I think we should think about it a lot more. But I feel like disabled people shouldn't feel like they can't be fashionable in the same way that someone who's able-bodied can be fashionable it's just not represented enough do you do you think there's enough representation of disabilities within modeling for Faraday? definitely not i mean i didn't even realize until i saw the the moschino collection you're referencing i didn't realize until i saw that collection that i'd never actually seen as far as i was aware a disabled person on a runway because it's not something I was looking for but if you are a disabled person to not have that representation to not see that you can be just as stylish and beautiful and famous and as amazing as the other models on the runway as other people in fashion I think is it must be really disheartening because whether you're in a wheelchair whether you've lost a limb whatever you still have dreams goals aspirations and a lot of those times those dreams and goals and aspirations could tie into the fashion industry and to kind of feel like you're excluded from that is is just really disheartening what about you Charmaine yeah I do agree with you that like you know there's not enough representation of like disability models within the modeling industry as well because I think like when it comes to that it's all about filling up a quota and checking off certain individuals that fill up the diversity card it's not all just about color as well it's also about yeah you know having disabilities too and we can see this happening a lot in like larger fashion brands like Gucci, Prada, Moschino has done one good for them but then again like how many Mm. like fashion brands 
like high fashion brands do you see um including like models with disabilities in them and it doesn't come every day too like i know other brands like martin spencer's and h&m have used like disabled models in their campaigns but personally i think it's just to show off that they're inclusive it's not like they're really into the movement so i think like the fashion industry needs a lot of work to include like you know people who have disabilities in them and also like models who this yeah like models with disabilities too who want to be included in the fashion industry yeah i think definitely like the whole the industry as a whole needs that kind of representation um i was just wondering what you guys thought of obviously um love island this year had their first disabled contestant with tasha gurry she's got a cochlear implant and she has been she's discussed it quite a lot she talks about it on the show do you think that guy that has had a positive effect and do you think we'll start to see that effect do you think there might be more kind of contestants on reality shows and just kind of in the spotlight talking about disabilities um and kind of more people with disabilities represented in just kind of everyday media as opposed to just the fashion industry absolutely you see on social media as well like on tiktok people with disabilities would be like showing off what they're wearing and like the fashion aspect of things and i think that's really good because seeing that obviously will make other disabled people feel better feel like yeah there's some representation here However, I do feel like the fashion industry could be doing more for that. But Tommy Hilfiger in 2017 created Tommy Adaptive, which was designs for disabled people made by disabled designers. And I think things like that are amazing. They're brilliant because it's creating some inclusivity. However, with the Nike Fly East trainer, it was accessible and it was made for disabled people who struggled with the shoes, but they didn't use a disabled model for it. And I don't understand why. Because if you're making a product that's catered towards an audience, why use an able-bodied model who it isn't going to benefit in any way? I can't get my head around that. What about you, Charmaine? Yeah, I think that's just mean at the end of the day that they didn't do that. It all comes back to like inclusivity, you know? It's just like how in cultural appropriation, like if you're just going to use like someone else's culture, but you're not using like the right person to model for like the specific culture instead you're using like, you know, like Caucasian models or like models who are not related to the campaign. I think like, you know, brands do this. It's just to get you know it's just for the views and it's just for the business because end of the day like fashion is all about business but like you know it's things like this that needs more values in it yeah 100 percent. i think that sort of thing shows that they they're just doing it as a cash grab they don't actually care about the representation of the of disabled models and they don't care about the representation for a wider society that does have these issues absolutely yeah and when you're actually in the high street shopping going and shop so you don't really think about it when it doesn't affect you which we probably should think about it more Mm. but the accessibility there's literally a lot of stores don't have accessible entries or like lifts and stuff for disabled people and sophie morgan she did the man equal campaign which was mannequins and wheelchairs which i think is really interesting and really like great because we never see that and i think that trying to push that helps with the inclusivity and like the normalizing like people have disabilities like a lot of people don't think about it but it's something really important that we should think about i mean 15 percent of the population have disabilities but i think that shops should have things such as like 
wider changing rooms so people with wheelchairs can get in lifts instead of using steps heading up to the store maybe like use like a ramp I just think things like that will make it more accessible for people what do you think yeah definitely (laughs) I know what you mean like even something as simple as as you're talking about that I'm thinking about like the heights of, of products in a store um if you're in a wheelchair that's going to be pretty difficult to reach like i've i'm a tall person and i go out with friends who are shorter than me and they will struggle to they're um they're not disabled they're not in a wheelchair but they'll struggle to reach products that are higher up and i'll have to get them for them but if you're in a if you're in a wheelchair you i'm i'm guessing that that means that you really struggle to go shopping by yourself because you are in a situation where you can't be reaching the products you possibly can't even get into the store to begin with and then if you're going into the changing rooms and trying to try on these clothes you're also in a situation where it's it's a real struggle to try on these clothes maybe you can't and obviously the, if if a shop's inaccessible anyway to begin with and you've bought a piece of clothing and then the only way you can try it on is at home and then you find out it doesn't fit and you've got to go back to that inaccessible shop to try and return it i'm guessing it must be really disheartening and it probably contributes to like downfall of the high street if it's not accessible for 15 percent of our population then obviously they're not going to shop there they're going to turn to online stores which is just hurting businesses even if businesses aren't don't care about it from an emotional standpoint it's clearly going to be hurting their business and hurting their kind of profits yeah and even when you shop online there's like so many things that could happen firstly it's like damaging to the environment because carbon footprint am i right and secondly mm-hmm. at the same time like for disabled people because if they were to shop online and then when the thing arrives it might not be you know in the correct size or like you know the correct description so it just gives them a lot of setbacks at the end of the day and like i think like you know shops should be more accessible with you know people who have disabilities by um having ramps to their shops if they're on the ground floor or having like lifts like personally i work in urban outfitters so that's like in retail so we are um disabled friendly i would say we have like a specific changing room where it's like you know twice the size that's bigger for like disabled people to try on clothes to change but the thing is is that the other day when i was working and there was this girl in a wheelchair everyone it was just a, it was a weekend by the way so like mind you there were like a lot of people and she just wanted to like try on like i think like three pieces of clothing and like people were using the disabled um fitting room and it's even values like that when people don't realize that you know these people come first and she had to wait like at least like half an hour for like that one person to come out of that fitting room so she could have a turn for herself i felt so bad for her but at the same time like i didn't know how to like i didn't want to take pity because sometimes people just don't like that right they want to be treated normally as well it's also like in the fashion industry what happens now and today when you if you are a person who works in retail i think it's also just like you know being mindful that if you see someone in that distress that you need to do something about the situation this also applies to me as well yeah 100 percent. i've seen i don't know if you guys have seen it but on i think it was tiktok recently um a young woman going around different changing rooms and just videoing um their how disabled friendly they were and obviously a lot of places will provide a disabled changing room but like you say Charmaine it's being used by people who are able-bodied or there's issues like the um alarm cords that are supposed to 
fall to the ground so that if a disabled person is in there by themselves and they kind of hurt themselves or they get in distress or something they can pull the cord these cords are then kind of wrapped up and and made completely inaccessible how much are you actually caring about making your shops accessible for disabled people if you're not going to take into account the small things like what you're doing is you've you've got a list of stuff that you need to have in your store like a ramp like a lift like um, a disabled access changing room but you're not you've just kind of ticked off a load of boxes you're not actually policing them and making sure that these things still are accessible you're not making the aisles of your stores wider you're not lowering the clothes on hangers so that they can be accessed by someone in a wheelchair or someone with dwarfism you are just checking a box at this point and i think that must be really disheartening to see and i think it's something that needs to change and needs to be talked about especially as we're finally in a stage where we can go back to shopping in person and we can go back to the high street and where so many bids to revive the high street are being made stores are coming in people are trying to revitalize it and get back into shopping in store yeah Yeah. and sorry and i think like fashion is not just about inanimate objects as well like clothes and all it's also about people and how we have to be like active in that situation so if you are a retail assistant you're also part of the fashion industry because you're contributing to it so you have to contribute to the fact to to be inclusive to people with disabilities and as well and to know like what to do in that situation it's all these little things that matter at the end of the day yeah definitely yeah absolutely and i think with the fashion industry being such a massive industry and it's obviously it influences us we we love fashion that's why we do this but i think with it being such a big industry and having such a massive impact on society that it should be more inclusive to people with disabilities people of different races people of different body shapes and sizes but i feel like it's got a long way to go unfortunately yeah sadly i think we're only now starting to kind of discuss the issues that are there it's probably going to take a long time for those to be being discussed by the people who need to be discussing it by companies and stuff like that and and just society as a whole um like you say we've got a long way to go but i think steps are being made thankfully um any final thoughts guys yeah i think like what you said like steps are being made but it's gonna take a while like when we talk about like again with the topic about people with disabilities and fashion like it's there it's not like it's not but it's gonna take a while for like for society or even the industry to realize that we need more you know diversity on this because like it took like the fashion industry so long for people of color to be represented Mm. as well and now like it's only it's everywhere and it's the same thing for like not just people of color but like you know um the lgbtq community as well people are actually acknowledging that oh trans people can be models they're bi models they're gay models they're all sorts of models and i think like when it comes to disability it's it will it will be there but it will take a while so i think like each and every one of us has to pay, play our part actively you know in reaching the message of that yeah definitely well thank you guys for joining me today i think this has been a great discussion yeah it's been amazing thank you guys thank you i really loved it a lot of points yes a lot to think about